Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. What an honor always to be here in Stellenbosch. You guys are amazing. What an amazing church. What amazing people. Amazing pastor and his wife, pastors. And it's not just the pastor and his wife. You know, that sounds like the throwing our hands sock. <laughs> That's uh, not what it is, a, a, a family ministers. Every part of what this church is, is, is this family, um, the kids included. I grew up in ministry, and um, like I've, I think I've shared this before, like four generations of preachers. My great-grandfather was a preacher, my grandfather was a preacher, my dad was a preacher. I'm, I'm a preacher. I tried not to follow into those footsteps. <laughs> I tried to run away, because as a, a pastor, you can't buy a suit. <laughs> um, but um, you try to get away from that, but you because you've been grow, growing up in church and you see all the things and you learn all the stuff, but everything is church. Um, so when you are on holiday, like she just mentioned, you don't want to go to church. Uh, not because you don't love God, but you just, sometimes it's always giving, 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 and sometimes you just want to kind of settle in, but God has a way of pulling things through. And bring in. So sitting here this morning, again, just looking at what God's doing here is phenomenal. Uh, the people that have come in, people that have left, people that are here, it's a growing church. It's a, a movement of God. Um, it's an organism. I've got to give the right word there. Um, seeing that many years ago, I by accident said the wrong word. I didn't say God can even save your organisms. I used another word. <laughs> Let your mind run for you. No, I can say, I said your orgasms. And uh, the people, and at that moment, I wasn't as free as I am right now. I tried to save that word, speak life into that organism. And, and I said, speak life into that. And the people in the audience started, and I'm like, oh, my word. And then I'm going to start blushing now. But, and then I blushed, and it, I couldn't save that spiritual moment. It was gone. So I'm going to be careful in what you say, Okay. But we are a free church, right? <laughs> and God can even save that as well. Amen. Uh, okay, so what I want to talk about this morning is not that, but the Word of God. Uh, you know, in 20 years of ministry and growing up in church, I've, I've seen a lot. You've seen the, the good and the bad. You've seen how the church evolved. You've, you've been through every, uh, in Afrikaans, by elke seminar tot je seminar was. Verstaan jy, jy was, jy is nou klaar met die dinge. So jy leer, jy sien, jy ervaar, jy sien die goed, die slag, but you see all the different. And then the church runs in this direction, and then the church goes in this direction. And I grew up in, in, die, in die, uh, die PPK, die permanente probleemkinders. Um, and I had friends in the AGS, allemaal gesteelde skapen, and then our church was predominantly in Gia, in Gia, in, in Gia, in Gia. So I've kind of saw every bit, well, Obergen and Daledrom versus Nog Sandale. So that's what we, you kind of went through everything. You've seen all the different stuff of all the churches, and, and everybody tries. Then we've, we follow the G12 model, and then, and then we're so much, and like, you've got to be this. And, and in the Pipiakas, it was all about the hats and the clothes, and the external of holiness. So how I looked determined how holy I am. So I was really holy if you had a nice tie and a nice jacket and you couldn't come to church 
this. <laughs> and so stuff like that was external. Women had to wear hats and they had to no makeup and, and it was like extreme. And then it swung to the other side and then it got into such so liberal that man, even the devil can get saved. <laughs> and there's people who believe that. They, they've gone so far liberal, they've gone so far away that they, they, they follow movements as much as people follow statuses in, in social media now. And, and, I, and I think I, I want to get back to the greatest masterpiece of it all is the word. John says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes in where we are in the world is we've gotten to this thing that we're so fixated on the word grace. And the word grace is powerful, but it's a person. It's not a teaching. Yeah, it's very quiet now. <laughs> don't worry, we'll get through it. <laughs> I believe in grace, don't get me wrong, and I'm, and I'm going to put some stuff in perspective. But the problem is what we've done is what we've, we've taken the Bible as suggestion, and so we visit it every now and again. And then out of the suggestion, we apply what we feel like works for us. So we pop in, we go like, mm, okay, that works for me, I'll go with that. But there's... There's a beginning and an end. There's an Old and a New Testament. There is a flow of what God miraculously and beautifully put together. It is a masterpiece that I am falling in love with more and more and more. Or even after 20 years of ministry and 40 years growing up in church, I realize, wow, I'm starting to see how it all fits together. I'm starting to see that it's me getting into the Scripture, knowing the Scriptures, following what God's Word is, what He's built together, how He's done that. And, and here's the most powerful thing. When Jesus is confronted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, He shows us how we should fight the devil. Now, we know the Scripture says, resist the devil and flee. Okay, we know other stuff, but how does Jesus respond to the devil when he's confronted as a man fully with Christ? He does not rely on his experience. He does not rely on his prophetic word. He does not rely on his culture. He does not rely on his strength. What does he do? He quotes scripture. Yes! That's one thing, like, we're, we're, as church, we're so disconnected sometimes with what Scripture is. We want to come with the good things that we are. He didn't even go on his feeling. Jesus directly went, this is truth, done. I'm not moving from that. That's how he fought the devil. That's how he defeated the devil. That's how that temptation was dealt with. How did he deal with it? Truth. Grace and Truth came by Jesus Christ. So the truth, John 8, sets free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What is, brings freedom in my life? Truth. Not Prophetic word is phenomenal. I love the prophetic. I flow in the prophetic. And maybe we'll give some word to that. I felt strong in my heart for that. But prophetic word doesn't set me free. Truth sets me free. When the prophetic word moves on the truth that God has already established in my life, it brings freedom. I find some people follow more prophetic word than what they follow truth. Now, Scripture in so many parts talks about maturity. Let us mature. 
Hebrews chapter 6 says, let us move away from the elementary teachings and let us move on to maturity. Wow. What is he saying? He says that there are teachings that are elementary. There are stuff that is basic to me that I've got to get and understand so that I can mature. But I think sometimes we're getting to a place like we want to stay in a place of comfortability and goodness and just the elementary stuff. And we never get to a place where we're getting challenged to grow. Because as adults, we don't like to be fools. We don't like our comfortability. You know, when you're moving into a house, I see now my whole life got changed upside down being married, okay? And uh, again, my, while we were on honeymoon, Esther went and got her whole family to, to decorate the house so that it would be more like a home and not like a bachelor's pad. Okay, so all of that is totally changed. So when I walked into the house, I'm like, what happened here? There's curtains. <laughs> And you need some of the locken where some of the with pegs like bachelor. Okay, I don't have time or waste my money on curtains. So it was like, only the room has curtains. The rest of the house is freedom. But anyway, now it's all in place because for me that was comfortable. We create a comfortability that we find. The lazy boy must be here. The remote must be here. Or as comfortable as it is right now, you just talk to things and it just happens. Right? We like comfortability, and we easily get ourselves into a place of comfortability. And when we get challenged on that, we find, like, mm, I don't know if that's for me. But I promise you today that Philippians 1 verse 6 says, what God started in you, He will bring to completion. He will finish. He's busy building you up. He's busy working on you, fulfilling, creating in you, developing you. But you've got to get to the place where like, God, I'm, I want to grow more. The moment you stop growing is the moment you start dying. Now, you can say, Sean, but what about this? What about that? I want to challenge you today. I want to get a little bit into a place because I feel like that's where the church needs to be is, Lord, where are we growing to? What are you doing in our lives? What am I challenged on? What is, what is the gospel? Now, the, the gospel is Jesus. He's the center of it all. And what does that do? The Bible says, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ. But we have turned our gospel to go all about me. Church worldwide, especially the Western church, is all about us. How does it benefit me? Now let's go back to Eve in the beginning. Eve saw the good in the tree. <laughs> Listen, it looked what? Good. She, she did not follow the word. She followed what looked good. How does it apply to me? This looks so good. Did God create that tree? 100%. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She looked at the good, it was appealing to her, and looking at the good, she went after what the good is and said, like, listen, I'll adapt what God told us to fit what is good for me. That 
in itself, from the very day of mankind, is still where man is, unchecked with man as in himself. What is good? For me. If it's not good, for me, I don't like it. We love a church. I've seen it in the last couple of months. Oh man, we love it if the pastor is preaching what we like. (laughs) I've actually seen it my entire life. We love it when it is nice and we get to a church. And, and then I, like, I get so scared when somebody says to me, Pastor, we love you. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> don't say that now. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, because I'm going to challenge you somewhere. Somewhere 2 Timothy 3.16 is going to have an effect on your life where it will challenge you to say that the Scripture of God is all breathed by God. And it's there for encouragement, and we love that side, when it's there for correction and reproof. So Scripture will correct me. Scripture will come and challenge me. It it will uplift me. But we will have moments where we'll have beautiful insight with God, as Peter did. Jesus says, who do people say I am? It is you, the Christ. Jesus says, wow. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You are hearing straight from God. He goes, whoa, man, I'm hearing from God yesterday. My opportunity to sit next to Jesus is established. I am now chief counsel. Jesus says to him, on you I will build my church. You did you hear, dudes? Did you hear? Let me just play you that prophetic word. Did you hear? I'm chief counsel of this, this ministry. Whatever happens here, I'm now in that position. Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. He says, ah, 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 ah. We don't like that decision. That's not how we flow in this church. You're making wrong decisions here. Let me correct you. What does Jesus tell to, say to him? Satan, get behind me. You get called Satan by the pastor. You stay in that church or you go and open your own YouTube channel and uh, post uh, all your statuses on, on WhatsApp. That church is wrong. That place is wrong. That blah, 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 blah. Or do I go like, hey, maybe I missed this. Maybe God wants to sort some things out in my life. Maybe I need to come alongside and get challenged a bit so that I can, what can happen? I can grow. I can grow in what that is. I can push into that. Um, that's why you're married to as well. So that your wife can tell you, hey, you're missing something here, dude. You're running in the wrong. Why? Because she's the helper. She's come alongside what God has pulled her in to bring in that place going like, hey, don't miss what God's doing there and there and there. But if you're too focused on like, no, 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 I'm just running ahead. What are you going to do? You're going to find that you've missed what he's put into you, what he's connected to you, to cover you, to be with you, to say, hey, that's the direction. Getting challenged on what that is. I say, Sean, you better read something. So to make this legal, let's go to Hebrews. <laughs> Let's go to Hebrews. I love Hebrews, man. What a, what a book. What a beautiful book. I don't know if I'm going to get to everything, but I won't keep you here three hours, so don't worry. But uh, I want to impart something this morning that I believe is busy happening. Hebrews 6. Let me just, let me just say this. The, the Old Testament and the New Testament run hand in hand. 
You cannot now, because we are people of New Covenant and New Testament. Okay, so here's when someone was asking me the other day at Bible school, if we're a New Covenant, um, why do we say New Testament? Well, we're a New Covenant based on the covenant God made with Jesus. Because of that, we follow in a New Testament. So the Testament, a Testament that pays out or gives, has got nothing to do with you, right? The testator had set it up, died, and said, that's yours, now have it. You need to go and just take it, right? So it's mine, legal, it's there. Because of God and Jesus and the covenant that they made with themselves, for your benefit, you can receive from God. Amen? So, or you can have victory in life. You can live in the fullness. You can live in the, in the breakthrough. But here's the problem that a lot of us do, is that we're... And um, it's not you, it's everybody in Brakpan and Springs and Witbank. I can say all of that because I lived in those places. Anyway, Boxberg, born from Boxberg, ne? Benueni Hospital. I would say that only me and Charlie saw the good stuff that came out of there, but I don't know about her right now, so we can say I'm only the good thing that came out of Benoni. Anyway, coming back to the Bible. So, Old and New Testament, we come and we, we pick things and we go like, oh, and we use the word grace. Or use the word justice. Or we use, and we take certain stuff. But the Bible is a unit. The Old Testament was the shadow of the things to come. When Jesus, who is the light, was raised up in the cross, we could see there's a casting of a shadow as the light shines into the Old Testament. So when we go into the Old Testament and we see where things are there, we can take that through and push it into the New Testament. It says, oh, okay, here are some of the stuff in the New Testament that lines up with the Old Testament. So the Bible says where there are two witnesses, there's truth, right? To agree on something, there will be there's an acknowledgement. There's unity. So the Bible finds unity. And I love doing that. I love going back and seeing, oh, David, every six paces, he's bringing the ark back. Old Testament, ark is God's presence. So what happens is he takes it the first time, and what does he do with it? The first time he wants the ark back, but he does it his way. He doesn't hear from God. So many of us do that, right? God says, listen, I've got a plan. I want my presence in your life. So, okay, what can I do? How can I fix this thing? How can I put it together? So I put my plan together, and then with my plan, I go to God and say, God, please, okay, this plan. Like the city council, like, right? Right? That's not how it works. You've got to first get the approval and then come back with that and say, okay, God, what did you say? How is that there? How does it fit into your plan? Because man's plan ends up in death. Destruction. Because it becomes familiar. Whew. So when as the what does he do? He puts it on a wagon. Oh God put his that's not God's plan. So he puts it on his idea. And so when it goes and it tips, man thinks it can handle, I can I can sort God out. I can help God with this thing. Puts his hand out, what happens? He dies. And you think that's pretty rough. It's as much as Cain and Abel, right? The Cain and Abel story sounds very rough, but God is always connected to truth. And so if he veers from truth, he's not God. God we're going to say faith, God is only pleased by what? Faith, Hebrews. It's only faith that pleases God. So that means that God is not moved by emotion. God doesn't go 
yes, I'm so sorry, Abel. You worked so hard, dude. All day, you out in the field. You're a groenteboer, work hard, jong. Skaapboer, work glad, you so hard, jong. check his skaap, you know, skaapies. Check them net, let them loop, let them go. He doesn't need the birth. Birth happens, take that lamb, brings that perfect lamb. He has nothing to do with that. Die groenteboer gaan plant het, water het, kyk het, maak seker, kom nie, gaat nie, goed is in nie, check, it works hard. So Abel put all of the, um, oh sorry, Cain, Cain took all of that and, and worked all of the land. So when he came and he brought, Cain brought his, his thing to God, Abel had done very little. But God had to establish truth from day one. God cannot move from truth. And what is God's truth? It's not by your works. If God accepted Cain's offering, then man has something in himself to boast about. That what I brought to God is from me. And if God accepts that, then what I do can influence him. Do you know how powerful that is? So when Cain comes and he, he brings that to God, says to him, hey, I cannot accept that. But God doesn't say, I cannot accept you. I cannot accept what you brought. And what does he do? He becomes offended. Does God stop speaking to Cain? Not one bit. God goes to Cain and says to him, hey, offense is at the door waiting to devour you. Do not allow that into your life. What's God doing? Creating maturity. Even from the start, God is wanting man to follow his pattern. And he's not just going, I shame, man, because you cried all night long, I'm suddenly going to change my truth to accompany your emotion. Is that tough, huh? Is God a good God? Absolutely. Is he full of grace and truth? Yes. Is he full of mercy? Has that brought me? Does that, does that create a space where he will, through his mercy and grace, take me? Absolutely. But for me to walk in victory, there is truth. So he's going to teach me, grow me, mature me, so that I can be at that place where I walk in victory. None of you want your children to be in diapers for the rest of their life, right? If they're in a diaper at 40, serious problems, right? Gaan hy school toe op 18 met die diaper. Hy is totaal en al normaal, maar hy dra a diaper. Want hy is te lei om toilet toe te gaan, want sy ouwers het nog nooit geleer hoe werk het sonder a diaper nie. When I heard that in Times Square on New Year's Eve, people wear diapers because it's so packed that they can't leave Times Square, I said, in my life, I will never go there. I always thought that would be a great experience. I thought that experience has just left the building. I'm done. There's no chance I am wearing, as an adult male, a diaper. Klaar, papi. Als nie een manier nie. Ek gaan nie daar in voor, hy kijt het gevlieg. So that's not godly. Why? Because it's unnatural. There has to be maturity. There has to be a growing. There has to be growth happening so that it's less of me and more of him knowing what he's done. So when David goes and he says, listen, let's do it God's way, God wants to establish something in the bringing back of the ark. What does God do? He says to him, every six paces you sacrifice. It's three kilometers. I think it's about three kilometers. 
So David goes six paces on the seventh. They put the ark down. They build an altar. They slaughter an ox and a heifer. They bleed it out. They put it on the altar. They burn it till it's gone. They take six paces. They step down. They build another altar. They bleed it. Do you know how much blood is in that ox? Bleed it out. Then burn it to a crisp. I'm not talking about a lekker braaifleis. Die eerste een het lekker gereik. Tot hy weggebrand is. Then the next one is, for all those places, by the time David gets, listen how God works, by the time David gets to Jerusalem, he is beside himself. He is beyond the natural. Because I am sure at some place, in that, because David makes a statement, he says, God is not pleased with the sacrifices of man. Because he sees all of that, and he sees the mercy seat. I'm sure as the ark was being carried, and David was looking through the mercy seat and the cherubims on the road behind him, he was seeing blood and sacrifice and things, and God was speaking to him. There will be a day when I will sacrifice one time and my blood will be sufficient for all of you. David prophesies, David experiences God. If David, if God just blessed them with the first time on, a, on an ox wagon and he says, whoa, yes guys, I'm so sorry, man. I, I don't want you guys to be offended with me. I, I can't. Then the second time that he brings it, the real way would not have been established. No man would have known about it. Nothing of that truth would be revealed unto us. You see, God cannot move from truth. If he just moved by emotion, he cannot establish something. He cannot bring true victory. He cannot be, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I need to know truth. I, always, I heard years ago this, this story about marshmallows. Two guys were it's just a, a metaphor, it's just a little story, but they're frying marshmallows in an open flame. One has done this before, one has never. First time he's seeing fire. Now you know what happens if you leave the marshmallow too long, right? They fall. So they're standing here and the marshmallow drops and the guy wants to put his hand into the fire to grab it. And the guy goes, whoa, 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 can't do that, dude. It will burn. And he goes, okay, okay, I believe you. So he goes off and the friend runs off to the toilet. He's frying marshmallows again. This time it drops. What does he do? He grabs it. When he goes in, whoop, hands on fire, arms on fire. Yeah, yeah. Now I know it's hot. <laughs> Some of us are stuck in belief. We've never gotten to know. Belief is what somebody else told me. Somewhere I've got to get into a place where I know. You shall Know the truth. I'm not just hearing truth. Henny preaches truth. Somebody else comes and preaches. Dave comes. Sean comes. Salome comes. Somebody preaches truth. And we go like, wow, that's a nice suggestion. I'm catching it, but I've not really applied it to my life. Because it's going to take effort of me. The foundation has been laid. I will be with Christ forever. I'm saved. I'm set free. I've been born again. My salvation is secured. But to live in the kingdom and his fullness, in what he has for me, is by me, by faith, receiving what he has given. It's no longer I that live, but Christ. So Ephesians chapter 
Uh, we're going to get to Hebrews now. We're going to get to Hebrews. I'm just luckily I'm quoting a lot of scripture. You're getting it, right? But Ephesians 4 says, all these gifts have been given to do what? To equip you for ministry until we all come to maturity. So the gifts are there to do what in your life? To bring an equipping in your life so that you can mature. We cannot have a church that is just visiting on a Sunday. We pop in for a quick read. We listen maybe once or twice in the week. We read the Word, and then we back Sunday. But the Word is not changing our life. It's not conforming our world till the world sees Christ in me. That's not just by coincidence that somebody hears, oh, so, how oh, I heard you talk about church. Do you go to church? Yeah, 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 I go to church. Oh, I didn't even know you were a Christian. And that's not by what I, and I'm not putting condemnation, listen to my, the way I put that. You know, when, by Acts 11, when the Christians are being persecuted and running away from Jesus and getting into, or not running, from, running away from persecution, and, but the, ever they go, they, what do they do? They preach Jesus. So when they get to Antioch, the world sees them and says, you are Christians. The world created our name. The world looked at them and said, you must have been with Christ. Something about you is different. That even in the midst of persecution, what are you doing? Preaching life. In the midst of, of things going on, what are you doing? Preaching life. Now, so, listen, what is the difference? Was that the truth that sets us free? I, I listened to Bill Johnson's sermon after his wife passed away. The next Sunday, his wife just died. And the next Sunday, he gets up and preaches one of the most incredible sermons I have ever heard in my life. What does he do? In the midst of devastation, he stands on truth. He's not moved by, like, I prayed for her all this time. We all prayed for her, yet she still died. Does, do I now stop believing in healing? No, I believe even more. Ooh, that's tough, right? But where do I grow the most? Where do I bring a sacrifice of praise when, it, when it's sacrificial? When it costs me something? I think sometimes things don't cost. God challenged me on giving many years ago. He said, if it doesn't cost you, it's not giving. If I don't feel it, it's a tip. If I feel it, it's giving. For God so loved the world that he what? gave his only son so i would easily give an old jacket away i would easily just tithe but i'm i'm cutting it fine eh? cut them net so i'll say my tiende perfect uitgewerk i'll say net die dan geet ons nou my tiende gegee so why might give more <laughs> or or this month i remember i gave that away and that away so what am i doing i'm Bartering with God. He's outgiven me fully by giving his son. There is nothing in this life that I can give that can outgive God. And then God started challenging me. He says, Sean, if I speak to you, will you listen? When I ask you, and I'm like, mm, okay, Lord, that's a tough one. I'm being honest. I'm pastor. And so... 
years ago, standing on stage, and, and we had this guy from, from Zimbabwe, Ezekiel, brilliant musician, and, and so he plays bass, and, and so I had a, a anybody is electric that my dad gave me, and him and my mom bought him my first electrical guitar, and it's standing there, and God's been working with me about, about this giving thing, about maturing, and so I see the moment Ezekiel puts that guitar onto his neck, I realize this dude wants this guitar, and I'm like, Lord, <laughs> no, 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 that's my parents gave me. It's my first electric guitar. I'm not giving that guitar away. And the more it's going, the more God is saying, Sean, do you want to see results in your life? Then hold loosely to the things that I give you. Hold loosely to the things because I want to mature something in your life. And I'm like, Lord, no, 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 no. Anything else. Give me, ask me anything. I'm trying to like, block your ear, block your ear, block your ear, block your ear. Like whatever it is, Lord, don't. Until the night I had to surrender. Was that an easy surrender? No. Because the thing is, just like Eve looking for the good, what is easy to me, I'll, I'll, I'll submit to what is easy. But what if it asks me something that's not that easy? And I've got to be challenged by that. So I go over and I say, listen, Ezekiel, I'm trying not to be moved by this thing. And, and, and I give him the guitar and he walks off. Man, he is super excited. He's about two weeks away from going back to Zoom. And he's got an opportunity to play in one of the, um, the hotels there. And so this guitar is going to be such a blessing because he can use it. And part of in this hotel as a job. And so I'm blessed. And so I walk away, and here's the thing that I want to talk about here, just to quickly throw this in, is if God is not my anchor, my soul will determine that I just did a wonderful thing in the eyes of God. I have been Cain. Lord, look what I did for you. you know, now I'm ready for the blessing that's going to come. And now because I gave such a big gift, and now nothing happens. Nobody gives me anything. No money comes supernatural into my account. I'm just a normal life. And God started speaking to me about me bartering with him, me in this condition. Like, I give a hundred and you give a thousand. And Lord, if you just give me 50 bucks after that, then somewhere this deal is being missed right now. So this is where Hebrews 6, let's go to Hebrews 6 here quickly. 19, that's where I want to be. This hope we have as an anchor for our souls, both secure and fast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, if you read a little bit further in the scripture, if you have time, it is talking about how God can swear by nobody greater. He swore by himself. God made covenant with himself. He, the, the covenant he made, the word there is two immutable things. It means it cannot be muted. It cannot die. It cannot stop. So God says, if there is a covenant that we make and Salumi passes away, the covenant is done. But God makes covenant with himself because none of the parties can die. So the covenant is always secure. And the blessing of the covenant comes upon me in the testament. So I can receive all the goodness of what he is. Now he says, that is an anchor for my what? Soul. Where? In the holy of holies. If I do not anchor my soul in God's presence, 
in the fullness of what he is, my soul will do whatever it wants. That's why Romans 12 says we are changed by the renewing of our minds. Why? Because this thing wants it comfortable. It's always trying to figure out the best and quickest way to the point. Especially us as men. Who's the finnachste manier ons hier dan kan uitsorteer? Well, at least me. Dan sê, vinnig is die hammer, papa, klaar. Hy is gesort. The quickest way that we can sort this thing out, because why? The soul will go to comfortability. It will, it will, it will gear towards what it knows. That's why scripture then says, that in Mark 7, I think it's Mark 7, it says, the traditions of men nullify the word of God. Ah, where does tradition sit? How do I know that? You know, yesterday, once it's also in India, and I, I love curry. I promise you, I love curry. So to me, it was phenomenal. But curry for breakfast? Skopt in elke Suid-Afrikaanse bloed DNA binnen in my. Ek soek eiers in bacon. We were, we're in Zimbabwe. So it's also, he, he's, we want to, uh, we come out and they, there's no way. He's like, oh, I'm so ready for the braai. So we need braai. I said, let's be feed. And we get to the Airbnb and they say, sorry, you're not allowed to make any fire here. The tradition within that man is like rebel. Like, us moet vier mark. Somewhere we've got to have some fires. I had some South African friends. They were skiing with a braai. They were living in Sweden. They were skiing with a braai up in the mountain on braai day. Just to have a braai out in the snow, pocky braai eight, pocky nemo eight, two beera, also poppy, South Africa is here. What is what is it's so in you, right? It's in you. You want that bultong, you miss that chutney. Isukai oma evola dip. Isukum ned like isukai dang. It's so part. You want that food. And it can be from a different culture. If that is in you, that tradition will come out. One of my friends from the youth brought me some jerky. He said, Sean, this tastes like Baltimore. I said, heresy. He says, fout broer, jy verstaan nie, jy het idee, jy het illusie. Why? Because it's so in me. Where does it lie? Here. Is that fully truth? No, it's my truth. The problem is a lot of us are stuck in our truth, not in the truth. Because the truth is an anchor for my soul in the Holy of Holies, so that I know my God is good, so that I know He'll take care of me. You know, Tim Keller that just passed away, uh, one of the pastors, he made this statement, such a powerful statement. He says, if we truly, truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, our identity in Christ would totally be secured, and we would not have one bit of, of um, insecurity in this life. If we truly had our identity and we truly believed what the cross did, we would not be moved by anything that happens in the world. Because I know he's good. I know that I might not see this, but I walk by faith and not by sight. That God is doing something, though I might not be seeing it, he's doing something. And I'm holding to that. I'm not moved by it. In the world we're in right now, depression at its height. Why? Because there's no anchor for the soul. The anchor for the soul, I believe, is the Word of God. 
filled by the Spirit. The more I start seeing that a lot of Christians, and I, and I think I've mentioned just before, that the statistics of Christians reading the Bible more than twice or three times, like properly reading it, is 16% of Christians in the world read the Bible more than twice a week. 16%. I'm talking about the Western world. Now, I know it's nobody in this church. You guys study the Bible five, six hours a day, man. You are on fire for Jesus. But I realized even in my own life, I was reading the Bible to prepare sermons. I was not reading it for myself. So I went to the scripture to get something to give. So what am I doing is I'm never finding it to find root in my life and truly find scripture that builds a tree and now I can give off that tree. That's why you find some preachers, they can talk for hours, me and my father especially. Henny, other, okay, Henny, you should buy Henny. If you let Henny loose, I promise you, stand, pray, die, pray, long. I'm joking. But if you find around people that are of the word, what will come out of them? Word. Why? Because they've spent time in the word. They've allowed the word to find depth in their heart. They've, they find it is an anchor for their, what? The soul dimension. So I cannot be moved by the things of the world because I found there's word. The scripture that's being that's being into that. It says, it says, yeah, I wanted to quickly read this to you. Hebrews 4. Let's jump quickly to Hebrews 4. I'm five minutes and I'm done. Is that okay? Five minutes, keep me to it. If I'm longer than that, go me with the schoon of it. Okay. Um, huh? Take my time. <laughs> Hebrews 4. It's about uh, about coming into his rest. And so we have these few elements that I just want to quickly throw in here that is testing because in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, it says that you'll be tested by fire. You know, now we're people of grace, so we're like, mm, Lord, <laughs> testing. <laughs> but it does say it's going to test what you build on. Oh, so I'm building something. I'm building something in my life. There's a foundation Christ, and we grow and build in that thing. So as there is, God's going to come and say, hey, you're building, on, you're building the wrong way. I need to shake this. And what's that name talks about, if you want to write this down, you can read it later. In Hebrews 12, it talks about being shaken. He says, I will shake the things that are shakable so that the things that are unshakable will remain. Ah, so there's going to be a shaking. So the things in my life that are solid, man, they're going to be the stuff that remains. And God's going to shake the rest of the stuff off. So I want to come to God, Lord, shake. <laughs> shake it off. Get this out of my life. Burn it out. Get it out. Build it. Come on. And Hebrews 4 goes on and says the, the following. This is such an awesome scripture, man. He goes, yeah, um, And verse 11 says, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. And it's intent. I've got to be diligent about this. I've got to seek after this. Uh, Lest any one of you fall according to the same example of disobedience. The word there is unbelief. So I don't believe it for me. So I don't seek it for me. You have the ability. Then he goes on. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the divisions of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And is a what? Discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Ah, so what is going to reveal the intent of my heart? 
the word. So where does the safety of the word happen? When I apply it to me. I don't have to come here and beat you with the word. When you study the word, the word will speak to you and go, hey, this is not right. Get it sorted out. How does it do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Leads me in all righteousness. He's not there to condemn me and go like, oh, you sinful sinner. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a child of God. So as a child of God, he's maturing me and growing me and developing me and he's building in my life. The Spirit is moving in my life. So as I'm spending time in the Word, it's going to go and say, hey, are you trusting me at this level, Sean? Are you seeking me at this level? Are you going after the treasures? Bill Johnson says this. It's a beautiful statement. He says, God doesn't hide something from you. He hides something for you. The treasures are there for you. In Matthew 13, he says, a man seeks a treasure, finds a treasure in a field, buries it, goes, sells everything, and comes back and buys the entire field. Oh, he says, this is the kingdom. Then another scripture says, those who find a pearl, goes it, sells everything, and buys the pearl. What is he talking about? It all belongs to him. Lord, where is the depth of what you are showing me right now? That everything belongs to you. My life belongs to you. So when God says to me, Sean, I'd like you to turn left. I don't have a problem to turn left. Because I have committed all of it to him. Even if that asks me, eh, okay, this is so lacking, but I know, I know it's him. That I know that there is a fun, there's an anchor for my soul in the Holy of Holies, in his presence. So what does that mean? It means his presence is important. It means my time with him in intimacy is important. I can read there are many people who know the Bible, but they don't know the God of the Bible. They can quote scriptures, but you can hear they don't know Jesus. Right? You've been around people like that. And I'm not, I'm not talking down on people, I'm not, but I definitely believe there is a, a line being drawn in the sand going like, I want you to know the word, but know the word, but know me. So that, those, that combination will bring life. For you shall know the truth, what will truth set you free. I want truth about miracles. I want truth about provision. So if I'm not aligned with that, I can cry all day and go like, Lord, I have this vision to bless the nations. I have this thing that you've put in my heart that we're going to plant churches, we're going to do all these things, and I've got all of that, but I haven't got the funds yet to do it. So somewhere I don't know the truth about this, so I'm going to seek the truth. I'm not going to get into a pity party because I don't have all the funds. I've been trusting you for this breakthrough in my life. I'm not seeing it yet. I'm not going to lose truth. What am I going to do? I'm going to find truth because the truth's going to set me free. And I'm going to know somewhere I'm insecure about this one thing because I don't trust you enough. 
I don't see the signs, wonders, and miracles. I, when we were bending down in India, this, we get this blind girl at the train station, and, and I've seen miracles. I've seen a, somebody's eyes open. I've seen somebody like, but we bend down, this little girl sitting there, we pray for her. She's, she is so blind. She's the blindest blind. It was just my, and I'm there, and my heart is moved, and all my compassion doesn't heal her. I want you to get this. All of my compassion. Man, I feel like I want to burst out crying. Lord, please heal this girl so she can know you, so that the miracle can happen, so that something can be, and everything inside me, and nothing happens. Nothing. I walk away feeling like, God, you know what was my first thought? God, teach me more so that that will never happen again. And I'm not saying that from a place that I'm, oh, how good I am. No, I'm realizing I'm missing some truth. Because what does truth do? Set you free. What does truth bring? Full understanding of my righteousness. Show me, reveal to me, grow me. Because there are people out there that lay hands on the sick. They're nothing better than me in your sight, Lord. And they seeing people get healed. I'm not there yet, so somewhere I'm not having the full truth of understanding. Grow me, mature me, develop me, because I want to see it. I want to see every blind eye open. And I want to, so every time somebody's talking, I'm listening. Oh, what did they do? How did they do it? How many people did they pray for? Not because it's a formula, but because I want to have truth in my life. I walked in Portugal one day and I was so busy. Uh, we, we were there on a, on a trip and, and I'm walking down the street and, and there's this expand, there's a street in Portugal that is with the top, 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 top restaurants and shops and everything uh, up to this circle called Marques Pombal. If you've ever been in Portugal, you'll know what I'm talking about in Lisbon. And so I'm walking down this road and there's people sitting in these restaurants and, and it is, man, I, I, looked, I just looked at the menu like that and I'm like, yeah. This was crazy. Why hell do I for all these flies? And said, "Africa, but only buy it cheaper." <laughs> so I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the people paying for it, and the people sitting there. And, and as I'm walking, I'm not going in envy. I'm going, Lord, they understand something. Listen to what my prayer is, that I might not have understood yet. They're busy with something, connected to something. Where is that at? Lord, show me, reveal to me that I don't stand in a place where I'm going, hey, please give to me. I'm at a place where I can go, give to you. Teach me, reveal to me. Because a lot of times, as Christians, we're waiting for somebody instead of being the somebody. I want to help you here with this. I grew up very poor. I grew up very poor, where most of the time it was by the miracle of God because of a church that didn't pay my father. I think my father was earning 2,000 rand a month when I was at school. We had to pay for the house and the car. Like we were, it was, man, it was horrible. Religion will kill. And to see my, my parents struggling and not having enough in ministry. And, and that's why I didn't want to go to ministry because like, you know, it's not the pastor word. And so going through that and seeing how to struggle upon struggle, and then my parents lost their home and they lost everything. And, and so what happens is when you're around a certain thing, and alles verloor, alles verloor, alles verloor, us, like it links just blues music, ne? If you play blues backwards, you get everything back, ne? When if you just listen to it, it's alles verloor, it's your furrow verloor, your cut verloor, your hond verloor, your panna, it's your kostpotter comfort, man. It's alles verloor, alles. 
Het klinkt soos een pinksterliekie. <laughs> That's how I felt. And then God said, I will teach you something different because now what happens is we start waiting for someone to bring me my breakthrough instead of God being my breakthrough. Somebody's my blessing instead of me because Peter, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, I think it's 1 Peter 1 verse 3, it says God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So your ability to get your breakthrough, to step into what you have, for what God has for you, is already in you. It's already there. It's filled with the Spirit, filled with God, all the ability. But it is unleashed through my knowledge of Him. Oh, I felt that in the Spirit. It is unleashed through my knowledge. The more I know Him, the more I have that ability, God's going to give that breakthrough in that place. Until that comes, I'm seeking that truth until it brings breakthrough. And through that process, I've seen God do phenomenal things in my life. But I waited for a man instead of finding truth in God. I was always like, oh, somebody's going to show up at the church and they're going to bless our church with millions. And so we wait for the person. Santa Claus is coming. No person's your breakthrough. No country is your breakthrough. No, no currency is your breakthrough. No scheme is your breakthrough. No, um, no South African new government, whether that, whoever's in parliament in our nation, that we think that if ESCOM is just better, it's going to change things. We're waiting for something that's going to change who we are. Instead of going like, Lord, you're my source, you're my strength, you can be the blessing. Joseph was a blessed man as a slave. The Bible says he was the most successful slave. The most successful slave. Then I know that there's something connected to the blessing of God that's not got to do with what the natural things are of God, of, the, of nature and of South Africa. So like, oh, if I can only get that with dollars, or if I can only be there, or if I can only be that. No, right now, in my life, in this place, Lord, show me truth that will set me free, that I can walk in your abundance, that I can walk in your truth, and I will never be the same again. Because I rely on you. There's an anchor for my soul in the Holy of Holies. You know, the, the enemy doesn't come and knock at the door, say, hello, it's the enemy, I'm here. Hello, it's depression, I'm here. Because if it did that, we would easily be saying, ha, ha, ha. You're not coming in through the door. Lack, poverty, a mindset. A what happens is it, it comes in slightly with a little thought and we give it space. A little offense and we give it space. A little worry and we give it space. A concern, we give it space. Gossip, we give it space. And we do it a little bit by little bit. What it finds, it finds more of a place. And what it happens, my anchor is not in the Holy of Holies. My anchor starts finding its way in what that is. And before I know it, I am so depressed, I'm thinking of com committing suicide. I am so in a place of fear and anxiety and depression and all these things just because I allowed it to have space. I'm caught up in a cycle of destruction because I gave one little thing space in my life. That's why he says, resist. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. He didn't treat that word as a little something. When somebody comes and says, you're not good enough. I don't think that's for your life. Don't give that space for one moment in your life going like, no, 
Satan, get behind me. God has said, I have an anchor for a soul in my life. This church will not. No, that's not it. You're, I don't know if that's the thing. No. Come on, this, the enemy comes in with a little bit. You're not good enough. It's not going to be there. It's not this little thing. And you build on that, and you allow that to give space in your life. It will build and will cause destruction in your life. I feel that's a prophetic I want to end with. Do not let Peter is Jesus' best friend. He's in love saying to him, listen, I don't think that's the way. He loves Jesus. He's given up everything for Jesus. He's just had a beautiful expression of Jesus. He just confirmed that Jesus is the Son of God. The next thing is he's speaking something that could potentially in Jesus' life influence his direction. Remember, Hebrews says he is our great high priest. He was tempted in everything so that he could have sympathy. You can only tempt someone with something if he has the ability to follow the temptation. There's some food you can't tempt me with because I lost near many. But you bring a chocolate? Here's a brew. Hello, hello. I like chocolate. You can tempt me with the chocolate because I have the ability in me to receive what is tempted. So if Jesus was tempted in everything, he had the ability to receive what the temptation was. But in everything, he did not sin. So he understands what that is. How did he deal with that? He did not give it one second. As children of God, don't give it one second. I feel that prophetically in this place right now. The enemy will come with little things that we allow and we give space and we allow that to step into our life. Don't give it one second. I'm not giving that word one second in my life. I'm giving that thought one second in my life. Oh, a little bit of this. Well, how does he sometimes break stuff in a church? Gossip. Offense. Little bit of offense. Uh, we had this. Uh, yeah, let me leave that. No need to share that now. I just feel that in the spirit this morning. One or two things. Do not let the enemy come and give you a little bit of offense with somebody on some area. Shake it off. Your partner in marriage. One little bit is like a second or a third or the fourth time they're doing something that scratches. And so now you allow that scratch and you start meditating on that scratch and you get a little bit more of that scratch. And before you know it, that thing has created a chasm between you two because you allowed it to have a one little bit of offense on something that was said instead of going, Satan, get behind me. I'm not allowing that to be. I'm not allowing that thing to be. I'm just shaking it off. One second. Why? Because the enemy still kills and destroys. So what do we have? We have the word. Apply the word. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I didn't plan to speak so long, but I felt there was one or two spiritual things I wanted to establish here today. God is about to take this church to another level. God is taking this church and is already doing incredible things in people's lives. Incredible. I, I, I just felt it this morning as I was sitting in this building. This, this place is so ready for new, a new thing. And not just as a, as a building or a physical church, but the church in itself. You guys sitting here. Your life, your calling, your purpose.
but he is definitely taking you to a deeper place. There's some of you this morning here that have got to deal with offense. I felt it in my heart so strong. You've given it a little space and you, you think, oh, I've dealt with it, but you allowed it to have an influence for a bit in your heart. And though you've not voiced it, it carries. So this morning, you've got to let go of that offense. You've got to say, Satan, get behind me. You've got to let go of that person, of that word, of that situation, of that, that pastor, that leader, that your husband, your wife that did something and you've not shared it with him, but it's, it's influenced your life. It's influenced the way you deal with them and, and you need to let that go this morning. parent situation you've got to deal with that this morning and some of you that have allowed the enemy to just drop a seed of depression into your heart and now months later you are struggling with energy and life and purpose and direction because it's affected your way to, to dream you, you don't, you, you're just doing day by day instead of living life to the fullness. So you just, it's, it's just a little bit there. It's not full-blown depression. It's not full-blown anxiety. It's not, but you, you feel it. You're just tired and you're just weak. I just feel in the spirit this morning. God is just saying, get your anchor back into my presence. Your anchor to your soul is in my presence. It's with me. That's your security. Bring it back. Let me come and do it. some of you in this building you know you know you've created a too comfortable zone around you and you know that somehow every now and again you feel God challenging you on that but you, you keep holding back because you don't feel equipped you don't feel good enough you don't feel like that so I feel like God is saying this season it's time for you to step up it's time for you to move into what I have for you I'm going to challenge you I'm going to mold you I'm going to grow you I will never leave you I will never forsake you God says it's the time for you to step into boot camp. Like, yo, that Lord, that it's time. It's time to step into boot camp. It's time to say, God, come. I'm ready for this next season. I come and come and shift some things. I need to find some truth in some areas. I need to grow in some areas. But come and do that in my life. I can't stay where I'm at. 
I can't worship just the same way. I've got to be, Lord, push me into this. I've got to get out of my comfort zone. I want to worship like I've never done before. I want to experience you like I've never experienced you before. Move in my family, move in my life, move in. I'm here, Lord. Take it all. Take it all. Just come and move in my life. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.